All right, well, turn with me in your Bibles while you're standing. Grab your Bibles. And we're going to be in Luke. I'm sorry, not Luke. I'm sorry, saying Luke. Acts chapter 1. We are starting the book, the actual book of Acts today. As we're, we started it last week. We mostly talked about Luke who wrote it. So today we're actually being able to start the book with verse 1. All right. It says this. I wrote the former account, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After he had given orders by the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, to the same apostles who, after his suffering, he presented himself alive with many convincing proofs. He was seen by over over a 40-day period and spoke about matters concerning the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he declared, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait here for my father, uh, for what my father promised, which you heard about from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had gathered together, they began to ask him, Lord, is this the time when you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He told them, You are not permitted to know the times or periods that the Father has set, has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the farthest parts of the earth. After he had said this, while they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud hid him from their sight. As they were still staring into the sky while he was going, suddenly two men in white clothing stood near them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mountain called the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered Jerusalem, they went to the upstairs room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James were all there. All these continued together in prayer with one mind, together with the women, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. And Lord, as we start this wonderful work of the Acts of the Apostles, Lord, the act of you, Lord, through the empowering and the indwelling of your Holy Spirit upon your church. And Lord, the radical way that in which you extended and expanded and, and deepened your kingdom on this earth. Lord, how you empowered your people for mission and grace and relationship and meaning and belonging. And Lord, just I pray that you would give us a glimpse into what you did in those first centuries. And Lord, those three words that I want for us to be on our our hearts and minds as we read the book of Acts, do it again. Do it again, Lord Jesus. Do it again, Holy Spirit. The things that you did in the first centuries, Lord, in power and in your presence and in your glory, for your glory, Lord, do it again here in the church in, the, in this region. Lord, do it again here at Shift Church. 
Let Your Holy Spirit fall upon us, Lord, in power and might and miracle and love, radical love for You and for one another. And God, this morning I pray that You would open up our our minds and our hearts and our spirits, Lord, to engage with Your Word. Open Your Word to us here this morning, Jesus. We invite Your Holy Spirit to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Anyone like waiting? <laughs> the waiting period, right? You have this waiting period of different different areas. As the, the great theologians, uh, <clears throat> Vicini, said, I'm waiting! <laughs> I'm waiting! And as his associate, great associate in the ministry, um, Inigo Montoya said, I hate waiting. (laughs) But as the wise man in black said, get used to disappointment. (laughs) We're waiting, the times of waiting, right? The number one thing that you never, that people tell you to never do, the the one prayer that they tell you to never pray is what? The prayer for patience, right? Because God will give you what? opportunities to be patient, right? To wait. And this is where we're at here this morning. As we look at our passage here this morning, we see a people that God is, that Jesus has been walking with for years, for three years with these, with these disciples, with these apostles. That he's now sending. And as we see what's going on in these passages, we see that there's this great promise Great power is coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's coming to a head. It's like the climax of a movie. And all of a sudden, their heroine flies away. Like, wait. Shouldn't we like have thrown a rope around him or something like that and keep, keep him down? They'd never, they'd never seen a balloon before. They didn't understand this whole concept of floating away. <laughs> like, what's going on? And that, that now the, the question is what? Now what? Now what? Where do we go? What do we do? What are we all about? Like, what is this whole thing? What is our life about now? And so this is where we see, because Jesus has said, like, this power is coming. It's not here yet. It's coming. And it's been promised for years. This explosion of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is here and it's near. It's here and it's coming. It's here and it's coming more and more every day. But he said, you will receive power. I will come back again the same way that you saw me go away. But you're going to have to wait. And they thought it was like right then and there. Right? But I can see these disciples kind of still misunderstanding what Jesus is saying in these passages about his return, about when he's coming. He's saying, just wait. Wait here. Wait here. For here, for them, the power is coming in a few days, which we know is about 10 days from, from here, week and a half or so. And so he's trying to teach them, as I think God is trying to teach us here this morning, is how to 
How are we pursuing peace in the wait? So that first line there is pursuing peace in the wait. <clears throat> this is the this is you know this this peaceful being, this peaceful existence, this peaceful disposition of life, of being, non-hurried, non-anxious, non-frantic, right? Sometimes, you know, when you, you know, come, when I come in on a Sunday morning, sometimes I forget all the little things that I've forgotten to do during the week. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. You know, like a little, little chipmunk going crazy. Just ask Gloria <laughs> or Sienna or Renee. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I've, I've seen it. <laughs> like this morning, I was like, oh, no, I don't have bread. Ran to the store. Come back. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> so this non-frantic, how do we live this non-anxious, non-hurried, unanxious, um, non-frantic, non-pressure existence. To wait on the Lord. To wait on His timing. And so let's, let's kind of dis- dissect this, this passage here. Because what are they waiting for? What was the question that they asked? They said, is this the time when you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? They were looking for a physical kingdom, manifestation. What they were looking for, again... Is, the, is, is God to come down and to annihilate their enemies, the Romans, and to establish a monarchy again in Israel. But Jesus' point is that the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom, not a physical kingdom. You can even replace that with country. It's a spiritual country, not necessarily a physical country. The kingdom of God is not territorial as though you could, you know, like pinpoint it on a map. Like this is where it is. You know, back then we could, like what? We have maps in the back of our Bibles. There it is. The kingdom of God with the tribes and the, the divisions and the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, the, the the conquests of Canaan and the land of the twelve tribes and the time of Paul's missionary journeys. We could see maps and territories and kingdoms of God of Israel. But what he's saying is that it's, this is not the way it's, it, the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God that has now crashed into this world and that is growing is not a physical kingdom as though you could put it on a map and say this is the territory of God. In essence, the territory of God is wherever you are. Amen. We are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And everywhere we go, everywhere we claim in the name of God is God's kingdom. And this, Shift Church, this, this land is an outpost of the kingdom of God in the city of Belgrade. We are an expression of the kingdom of God, of Yahweh's presence in Montana. This is who you, who you are, who we are. Is God's presence, God's territory, God's country. Even though we are in God's country, it's Montana. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't born here, but I got here as, as quick as I could get. <laughs> the apostles, like many in Israel, still had this concept in their minds, like we were talking about at you know at the very beginning of of, of Luke's gospel. You know, these 
the people who are waiting for, as Luke said in his gospel, the consolation, like it says about Simeon, when he's holding Jesus, or the redemption of Israel, as it says of Anna. There's this group of people in, in the temple always that were waiting for and praying for and, in, and anticipating the coming consolation or redemption of Israel. They were still looking forward to the return of that monarchy that would bring liberation from Roman consolation or redemption for the people of Israel so that they would be brought out from under oppression under ungodly, wicked, corrupt rulers. The apostles are waiting for the physical manifest, we're waiting for the physical manifestation of Jesus' promise. That they would, as, he, as Jesus said, sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. They thought that it was going to be a literal thing. They're like, what is, is this going to be like a, setting up a temple, you know, throne room or something like that? Is there going to be a new palace that we're going to be, you know, is this the Solomon's portico? Is this where we're going to set up twelve thrones and we're, we're going to be judging Israel now because we've been set free from the Romans and now we're ruling? They thought it was like maybe a physical ruling because they did not yet have the full filling of the Holy Spirit to give them wisdom. The cross had put a kind of a damper on this hope a little bit. <laughs> they were following this Jesus and all of a sudden, wait, he's dead? Wait, what? How is this? I'm confused. But then they're like, oh, resurrection. Oh, he resurrected. Wow, he's back. That's how it's going to happen. He's going to come in and you walk through the temple gates and, and like kick, that, kick, kick the Sanhedrin out with his angels and you're gone. <laughs> you know, bring fire on first the Sanhedrin and then go north to the, to the, you know, to Pilate's, you know, the Roman, you know, guard area. There you can see it on your map there. But, these are just the beginnings of the hope that the kingdom has nothing to do with restoring Israel to a mighty physical territorial kingdom again. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The kingdom of God exists to go out and to win and, and almost to subvert, to cause a true insurrection, not a political one, but a spiritual insurrection to go and infiltrate all of the countries, not just one. To go and infiltrate the entire world. Because as we see pretty soon after this, we see that these apostles go and spread out and they go to India and they go to Africa and they go to Europe. They go up to England, as far as England. And going and doing ministry with the Nordics and the Germanic tribes and the English and the Celts. We see the gospel go out and go forth, going to Spain and Rome, Greece, everywhere, Alexandria, Egypt. It explodes. Write, write this down. I didn't do a slide for this, but write this down. The kingdom of God always resists. The kingdom of God always resists being politicized, and monetized. The kingdom of God always resists being politicized and monetized. Monetized is money. 
being politicized. It, it, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, does not fit into any political ideology. The kingdom of God always re- resists being politicized and monetized. It is not one that is supposed to make you money. The gospel of Jesus Christ monetized. Yeah, politicized and monetized. It doesn't exist to make you wealthy. No matter how many times people try to, try to make that. It does not exist to be contained in one person's or one theological perspective's interpretation. And that meant for them, especially the, the, first, these, the, the, the apostles, it was not militaristic. It wasn't supposed to be a, you know, the monarchy and restoring the nation of Israel, the political, economic, and social structures of Israel. It's not making the old way good, you know, cool again. You know, make the old way great again. It's the, there's a new way, a new kingdom that doesn't exist to reside in a specific territory. In fact, it's, it exists to go into all the territories and infiltrate. This is what I said. Isaiah 49 says, it is not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob and restoring the protected ones of Israel. I will also make you a light for the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. I'm reading, a, 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 I'm using a <clears throat> study, study material, and I just noticed this. It's actually one of the professors that I had in seminary. I was like, wait, that guy looks familiar. And so, But he says this about, about this first part of Acts. He says, the question also gives Jesus the opportunity, this, this question of, of uh, you know, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He's saying the question also gives Jesus the opportunity to remind them that they cannot know the times and the seasons when God will restore all things. They are not to be concerned about the schedule of history, but to be busy about their tasks. God's purposes will be accomplished according to God's timing, which pays no attention to human calendars. They were under the assumption that Jesus was coming back like, you know, right after the Holy Spirit comes. You know, Holy Spirit and like Jesus Jesus comes back. You know, Jesus is coming back to establish the 12 thrones. Like they thought it was like now, today. But Jesus had other plans. They didn't realize, they they didn't see these last 2,000 years of earth's history happening. And and the earth's and the church's history Another one of the another one of the the books that I'm that I'm using as my supplemental material is thirty day I'm sorry thirty years that changed the world. Oh wow! So we're looking we're studying the thirty years that changed the world. So in essence, we could even title this sermon series the thirty years that changed the world. Wow! And maybe we could you know call it the thirty thirty months or the thirty weeks yeah. the thirty weeks that, that changed the world because that's our prayer is that we want God to do it again. The power and the presence and the glory that God brought in His kingdom in the first centuries of the church, I believe God wants to do it again. I believe that God wants to break through in our lives, through our lives. Break through into the city of Belgrade. Break through into this region. 
bringing church unity among all the, the bride of Christ in this region in order to advance the gospel. I think we are about to, we are, I think we are in entering, no, I don't think, I believe that we are entering into the time of the next great revival, the great, great awakening. That God is doing a work and has been doing a work and, and setting the groundwork and laying the groundwork over these last decades for what God wants to do in the next five to ten years. And I believe that we are all a part of what God is doing. We're on the cusp of God's greatness and seeing an outpouring of His Holy Spirit like we have never seen in our lifetimes, nor has the state of Montana ever seen. You know what? There's never been a great awakening or revival in the state of Montana. There was a a season of about mm, three months where there started to be, but then the churches became divisive and it fell apart. And so, but God wants to do a work of his Holy Spirit. But the first thing he has to do is church unity. Being of the same mind. Being on his calendar. Being on his timing. We can't rush God. Nor can we steward a great awakening. All we can do is get on board and try to hold on. (laughs) To see what God wants to do. But, here's the thing. The same thing that they were waiting for, what we're waiting for, what God wants to do in our lives and in His city, is that we have to wait. We have to wait on the Spirit. Jesus told them that the Spirit is coming. Wait for Him. Not here. Don't, don't stay here on, on the mountain as though He's coming now. He's like saying, go back to Jerusalem. It's interesting. This 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 could be a, a great coffee with Alan discussion sometime, um, or just a co- coffee discussion if you if you want to, to nerd out with me um, in some of the finer details of, of biblical theology. But it's interesting that Jesus breathed on his disciples at the end of 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 the, the Gospel of John, and he says, "Receive the Holy Spirit." So they received the Holy Spirit. The saving grace that Jesus just bought on the cross and His resurrection, they received the saving grace through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But they had not yet received the full anointing of the Holy Spirit until it fell upon them at Pentecost, at Shavuot. And that confuses me. (laughs) Because I've always, you know, just... Bearing my soul here and, and my my confusion, just to let you know, I don't have things all things figured out. I'm wrestling with this because it's a you know I've always been raised with the thought that like you know when you come to faith in Jesus and you're baptized, you receive both salvation and the Holy Spirit at the same time, and you do. But I also have been recognizing that there is a different expression of the Holy Spirit falling upon someone or someone being filled with the Holy Spirit. Like there are certain people that are personified as, and Barnabas, who is what? Full of the Holy Spirit. It's an expression of godly character that is given later. Now, I don't have that fully fleshed out by any means. And so I'm, I'm asking my, my more charismatic friends uh, for understanding. <laughs> but it's that I see it, I don't understand it, but I don't know if we necessarily have to have a systematic theology about every little thing. Because God, if I could remember... Who's the most inconsistent person in all of, in all of the creation? God. 
And so we try to look for someone who's consistent in a God who's so inconsistent. Right? And so how do we understand how we are supposed to wait upon this, upon the Holy Spirit? We ask for Him. We seek the Holy Spirit. Because remember that the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. The Bible is a great resource. But my, my Trinity growing up was Father, Son, and Holy Bible. We didn't really talk much about the Holy Spirit. I think because, you know, maybe just because not a lot of Baptists understood Him. <laughs> we really only, only talked about Him when, you know, we were talking about when the deacons needed to make a decision, they would consult the Holy Spirit, you know. But like for us, it's, it's, for, you know, for us as we read the Bible, the, the Holy Spirit is all over the pages of Scripture. Even the Old Testament, Old Testament and New Testament. Holy Spirit's everywhere. And He, just like Jesus and just like the Father, is worthy of glory and honor and praise. He is worthy of your worship. We are meant to worship the Holy Spirit. as we worship Jesus and God the Father. And the way that we, all, we worship the Holy Spirit, like the disciples and the apostles, is by waiting on Him. By saying, you're in charge. And I'm going to not get ahead of you. I'm going to stop what I'm doing. And I'm going to pray. And just hear and listen from listen for you, Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to go until you say go. Or lead me as I go. Because as Galatians 5 says, Paul is saying to the church, if we live by the Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, he, he fills us and He uh, manifests in us and through us. And He leads us and He guides us. If, he, if we are animated spiritually, we are made alive by the Holy Spirit, we also, let us also, what? Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. That means not getting out in front of Him. But it also means not getting behind. Not lagging behind where God is saying, go. Because if you lag behind, the Holy Spirit has a, has a, a fun way of you know, kicking us in the keister to get us to go where He wants us to go. So we need to not get ahead of the Holy Spirit. But we also need to not get behind Holy Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. It's interesting how He wraps up that that Scripture passage. This This is literally right after the fruit of the Spirit passage. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we live by the Spirit and we produce the fruit of the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Holy Spirit, not becoming conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. We don't become jealous of each of how the Holy Spirit's manifesting and, and, and glorying, glorifying Himself through others. We don't become jealous that, oh, well, look at this person, they're speaking in tongues. Look at this person, they heal this person. Look at this person. They're so prophetic. They're so great. Conceited. Um, But what we do is we glorify the Lord by what He is doing. 
Because He has given us His Spirit. He's given us the spiritual gifts and, and the way that He manifests Himself in the church for what? The building up of the body. So what we can do is sit back and enjoy it. Enjoy when someone is prophesying. Enjoying and glorifying the Lord when someone gets healed, when they get prayed for and gets healed. When someone has breakthrough in their lives and we give glory to God. We don't become conceited like, oh, look at me and how much the Holy Spirit's working through my life. Yes. Envying one another. Oh, you know, provoking one another. Except provoking one another to love and good works. As the Bible says. So as the apostles were looking at this, this, this period of their lives, Jesus is calling them to walk by the Spirit. They're waiting on the Spirit. And when He arrives, now walk by Him. Walk in His empowering. You will receive what? Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses. Waiting and walking by the Spirit are difficult for for those of us who want to control our situations and make sure that our circumstances turn out exactly like we want them to. Makes it difficult. When we want to control, when we want the power, when we want the the ability to steer our lives and control what Holy Spirit does. Like, okay, God, I want you, but this way. I want you to manifest in my life, but this way. I want you to work this out. Heal this person. Do this. Do that. Versus, what do you want? And help me to pray for that. First, show me your heart what you want to do, where you want to do it, how you want to do it, and then get me on board so that you can use me to do it. Or just, or that I can watch you do it. Because maybe God doesn't want to do it through us. God wants us to see it and glorify Him. Raise up this person to prophesy, or raise up this person to heal. Raise up this person to edify the body. Raise up this person to be a prayer warrior. What do we do when life circumstances and timing don't go our way or in a way that's desirable? How do we reconcile that God doesn't operate by our calendars and checklists? There's a great song in uh, Frozen 2. And it's when Anna is like stuck at the bottom of this cave and she, and she believes that her, her sister is dead, that, you know, Olaf is gone, that all these things, everything is just falling apart and there's no hope. And there's a few lines that's really stuck out in, in the song. The life I knew is over. The lights are out. The grief has a gravity. This grief has a, has a gravity. It pulls me down. But a tiny voice whispers in my mind, You are lost. Hope is gone. But you must go on and do the next right thing. 
Can there be a day beyond this night? I don't know anymore what is true. I can't find my direction. Just do the next right thing. Take a step and step again. It is all that I can do to do the next right thing. I won't look too far ahead. It's too much for me to take, but break it down to this next breath, this next step. This next choice is one that I can make. So I'll walk through this night, stumbling blindly toward the light, and do the next right thing. And what? And with the dawn, what comes then? When it's clear that everything will never be the same again, then I'll make the choice to hear that voice and do the next right thing. So the question is, what is the next right thing? Well, for our apostles here, uh, it was to go back to the house in Jerusalem and wait. As you'll see on your map, I drew, drew, drew a little circle with an arrow from the upper room. That's about the area where the upper room was. Kind of down there in, on the, on the Mount, you know, Mount Zion, on the city of David, just south of the southern wall of, of the temple. So it's just around the area of the Pool of Siloam there. Yep, the whole the whole city. And that was the whole city inside the wall. Yep, yep, and even walls in, in between the city. That's what was the purpose of that wall? Protection. Protection mm-hmm. from from enemies. Okay. Yep, all the major cities back then had walls around them to, because they would it would protect them militaristically. But so Jesus gives them the basic outline, um, for, you know, get, by giving two promises. The next right thing for the apostles, they knew what was coming. They knew that two two promises had been made, that they will receive power from on high in order to fulfill the second promise. What's the second promise? That you will be my witnesses. I gave them two promises to the church. You'll be filled with power from on high and you'll be in order to be my witnesses. Now this kind of leads us into that, you know, the, you know, good old, you know, Acts 1-8 where he's talking about, you know, the go, and there's different ways that we can uh, interpret that verse there in Matthew chapter 28. He says go, or, you know, the, the, the word could also be as you are going, or it could also be as you have gone, or having gone, now go this way. So, but it's this, this element, this, this interpretation of, of an action that is already expected to be there. It's not evocative, you know, in the, in the Greek language, which is a command. It's not saying, go! It's saying, hey, while you're out, or hey, while you're up, will you do this, or will you do that? It's because you are going. You know, as you are going, or having gone, because they'd already gone and done their missionary work and, and were Jesus' witnesses in all of Judea. During Jesus' missionary journeys, this is what we read about in, in, the, in the book of Luke, in Luke's Gospel that they would go around on missionary journeys and tell about the kingdom of God and, and tell them to repent and believe in the kingdom of God. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent for the kingdom of God is here. That was their message and this it's still continuing. So it's like the having done all that and having practiced this already, now take it to all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is now your calling. Not just here, but there. The way in which we've been doing it here, go and do it there. Expand this, this ministry parameters. But it's a peaceful going. It's not a frantic, 
anxious, hurried, pressured, urgent. They didn't have this like crazy like sense of urgency. We gotta go. We gotta do it. We gotta do this mission work and this mission work and this event and this event. We gotta do it because everyone got to come to the faith in Jesus. They were not pressured. They were not hurried. Why? Because they were walking by the Spirit. They were neither in front of Him nor behind Him. They were right in step with the Holy Spirit. And so they were only as urgent as the Holy Spirit made them. But they were never anxious. So the Great Commission is really just a call to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to give an account of your faith to others as you go. To keep in step with the Holy Spirit and to speak and to live as He calls you to speak and to live. Being, doing, and going in a non-anxious, unhurried, non-frantic way of life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Say that again. It's right there. Oh. <laughs> being, doing, and going. So all of your being, all of your doing, and all of your going in is in a non-anxious, unhurried, non-frantic way of living, of life, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It'll come back in here in a second. There it is. So basically what Jesus, what Jesus tells them to do is go home and be together. Go home. Like, all right, all right, Jesus, what's next? What are we going to do? Where are we going? What are we going to, what are we going to do? Right? Go home. <laughs> take a nap. Rest. Go home. Take a nap. Be at peace. Go home and be together. Go home and come together. In fact, this is the rhythm that you are going to repeat over and over and over again. Go home and wait. Go home and wait. Then go and do after you've gone home and rested. Then go out and do so that you can come back together and wait upon the Lord together. This is where we talk, where we're going to talk about in the next couple weeks with, with Acts chapter 2, where it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. They didn't devote themselves to evangelism. They devoted themselves to coming and being so that it would anoint their going and doing. Here's a well, part of the, the notes here. Today, oops. Today you are you and sorry. Oh, ha, oops, I misspelled it. Today you and I are being called to complete or accomplish what our brothers and sisters began in century 1, to show forth and express Jesus Christ in open, saving, healing communities that are building the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. There we go. You can read it with me. Today, you and I are being called to complete or accomplish what our brothers and sisters began in century one. 
to show forth and express Jesus Christ in open, saving, healing communities that are building the kingdom of God. Because remember, the kingdom of God is spiritual, not specifically physical. It's not a territory. It's a people. This is the way in which the kingdom is seen. The kingdom of God is seen through us, through you, through your life, through your love. And so we pursue peace in the wait. Peaceful being leads to powerful doing. Non-hurried, unanxious, non-frantic, non-urgent, being, doing, and going. Waiting for, walking by, and working through the Holy Spirit. That's what God is calling us to do. That's who God is calling us to be. A peaceful people who are keeping in step with His Holy Spirit. And being His witnesses. Knowing that He is filling us with His power to be His witnesses, to be His kingdom. And that's what the book of Acts is all about. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for that powerful calling on our lives that You promise, Lord, uh, to us, that this promise is for us and our children. Lord, that You will give us Your power, that we will receive Your power, the power of the Holy Spirit in us and through us, in our lives, upon our lives, and through our lives. And so, Lord, as You promised, do it again. Do it still. Lord, let Your Holy Spirit fall upon us and let us see Your wonders. Let us be led by You, Lord, so that we can do Your wonders, so that we can do Your work that You are calling us to do. That we will live on adventure with You, Lord God. Show us our place in Your kingdom, Lord Jesus. And stir within us, God. Fall upon each one of us, Lord, in a powerful way to be your witnesses in this world. For it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.